Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 2. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Father in heaven, we thank you for your mercy. God, we thank you for your rich mercy that's been showered upon us in your son Jesus, in the beauty of the gospel, in eternal life with you, in resurrection. Father, thank you for your mercy. And God, I pray that your mercy would so change us today that we would be visible representatives of the mercy of God right here on earth. And God, that that would give us great hope and great assurance for the mercy to come on the day of judgment. Father, we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So the first experience that I can remember of mercy, I was thinking about, you know, what, what's been my experience of mercy? How have I thought about uh, the word mercy? And, and the first experience that I can remember was on the playground in elementary school at Beaver Flats Elementary School. I don't know if you guys did things like this, but one of the, one of the activities on the playground at Beaver Flats Elementary was a game called Mercy. And it kind of went like this. You'd find another guy, and you'd interlock your, your, your hands, right? Like this, right? And then sometimes you said go, or sometimes you just tried to beat him, you know, to the, to the go, you know? And you'd try to kind of get, get an angle on his fingers, and then you'd try to break him, okay? And, you know, you're just twisting the fire out of him. Both of you are trying to twist the fire out of each other's fingers. And then kind of the way it went is somebody would get the upper hand, and then the other guy would take as much pain as he could, and then he would cry out, mercy, 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 you know. And then you're supposed to stop. Some guys actually didn't, you know. And you're supposed to stop, and then the guy that kind of won, well, then he kind of was, you know, lorded his manliness over you, all right? Now, I want to tell you that that is a terrible example of biblical mercy, okay? So, like, putting the hurt on somebody until they cry, and then you laugh at them, that is really has nothing to do with biblical mercy, all right? So let, let's try again, okay? So, so biblical mercy kind of goes like this. And what we're going to do in this Beatitudes, we're going to try to look at mercy as, as is represented in the entire New Testament, and it goes sort of like this. So if I could give you a map today to the sermon, that map would look like this. God is rich in mercy, okay? That means he's got a lot, okay? And he shares it freely, okay? So God is rich in mercy, and he dumps his mercy out upon the sinner, all right? Now, the sinner, when he receives that mercy, when he embraces that mercy, when he believes in Christ, he is transformed, he is changed, okay? And, and that change makes him merciful to others, right? So all of a sudden, this guy who got God's mercy, now he is a changed guy, and he begins to live out that mercy in practical ways to his family, friends, neighbors. Now that living out of that mercy, visibly, that gives that guy strong assurance and hope that on the day of judgment, he's going to get the mercy of God. Okay, so there's your map, okay? So God's mercy changes a sinner, makes him merciful. He lives out that mercy, and that living out of the mercy gives him assurance 
for the mercy that's coming in the day of judgment, all right? That's where we're going today, so let's get going. Let's talk about a good definition of mercy, all right? I think a good definition of mercy, I, I, I like, here's my two favorite. John MacArthur said, mercy is compassion in action. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, mercy is pity with action, okay? I think those are the key elements of mercy. You have this feeling, this empathy, this compassion for somebody who is hurting either because of the consequences of their sin or the consequences of somebody else's sin or just because of a bad deal in life. So you have somebody who's hurting, and mercy is when you have compassion, you feel for that person's hurt, and then you act in practical ways to make it better. All right. Now there's lots of passages in the scripture that show this very same thing. So I'm going to give you two of my favorites, all right? So Matthew chapter 20, listen to this story. Matthew 20, um, 29. And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. All right, so you got two blind guys in distress, they're hurting. Their life is ruined. They, they can't support their, their families. And so they cry out to Jesus for mercy. Okay? Look at verse 35. Whoa. Verse 32. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus in pity. There's our first, right? What is pity? I feel for you, right? There, there's something inside of me that feels something for your pain and your hurt, okay? So in pity, what does Jesus do? He touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight. So, so they say, Jesus, have mercy on us, and what does Jesus do? He feels for them, and then he acts in a way that alleviates their suffering. Let me give you another one that I'm sure you've heard of this one before. One of the most famous stories in the Bible, Luke 10, it's called the Good Samaritan. It goes like this, verse 25. And behold, the lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, Well, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this and live. Okay, but the guy's got a problem, right? I bet you can anticipate his problem. Jesus just told him, Love God with everything you got and love your neighbor as yourself, right? And so the guy's going on through his neighborhood, right? He's going, oh, yeah, I like that guy. Mm, yep, I'm going to love him. Yep, not that guy right there. No! Man, he leaves his trash out. It blows all over. His dog's always out. Poops on my lawn, you know? He does, he's irritating. He's rude. He's inconvenient. You know, not that. And so he's at, hey, Jesus, exact, can you give me some parameters here? Who exactly is my neighbor? You know, do I get to limit that, right? That's his question. And, and to that question, Jesus tells this story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw him, passed by on the other side. All right, so, so the guy in the ditch is a Jew, right? The guy that just got his ribs broke and his jaw broke and he's bleeding from his head and he's stripped and he's stuck, gotten everything stolen and he's in the ditch. That guy's a Jew, right? And, and one of his fellow Jews, a priest, came by, saw him, he mess, yuck, goes by on the other side of the street. Levite comes by, kind of a servant of the church, sees him, ah, other side of the street, goes by. And then a Samaritan comes. Now, here's the, kind of one of the points of the story. Jews and Samaritans don't like each other. 
Jews particularly don't like Samaritans. It's kind of a racial thing. They think they're lesser than. They, they think they're dirty. They don't, they don't want anything to do with them. So normally the guy in the ditch wouldn't even want to eat with this guy that just walked up. But notice what happens. Verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Something inside of him stirred up, right? Something inside of him felt something for this man in the ditch. He had compassion. And then the second part of our definition, he went to him and bound up his wounds and pouring oil and wine on, he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took him to Denera and gave to the innkeeper saying, take care of him, whatever you spend, and I'll repay him when I come back. And then Jesus asked, which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor? And the man answers, the one who showed mercy. The one who showed mercy. So what was mercy there? was having compassion, and it was acting in a practical way to alleviate the suffering, right? That's a great picture of mercy. So consistently, that is what we see in the Bible as a definition of mercy, okay? So it's not just being religious. In fact, the priest and the Levite are, are condemned in this passage for having religion but not having mercy. So what happened to these guys, right? Did, did they get the mercy of God? Did it change them? so that they felt compassion and gave out mercy? It didn't. Now, they still religious. Both those guys went to church. They were headed there right now. They, 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 both those guys served. Both those guys had positions in the church. But what they did not have was mercy. And Jesus is saying, that is a big problem. Religious motions without mercy. Well, do you remember what Jesus said? In Matthew 9, 10 through 13, Hosea 6, the prophet said it. He said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. So what I'm telling you is you see this everywhere, okay? So Romans 12 is a great example of this. In Romans chapter 12, uh, the, the chapter starts out with Paul saying, I, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. In other words, he's saying, okay, because you guys have got God's mercy, because, because you've been a recipient of mercy, because God has showered his mercy on you, now, and then he tells them a whole bunch of things, okay? Let me read a few of those. Verse 15 of Romans 12. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Man, I can't think of a better example of the first part, the first half of mercy than that right there. Weep with those who weep. In other words, somebody's under distress for whatever reason. It could be the consequences of their own sin. They might have made a mess. You ever do that? Make a mess of your life and that now you're hurting? Or, or, or maybe somebody else sins against you and, and, and hurts you. Or, or maybe it's just we live in a sinful world, right? A broken world where people get cancer and there's car wrecks and there's natural disasters. But for whatever reason, somebody is hurting. And, and Paul says, because of the mercies of God, because you've got that, you ought to weep with those who weep. But it doesn't end there. Here, here's the action. Are you ready? A whole bunch of action here. Um, verse 18 uh, or 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. It's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. That's an action. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, you find the same working out of mercy everywhere in the New Testament. I've given you three different passages in three different books. Right? You, you find mercy is Receiving the mercy of God that changes you to where you feel compassion for others in their pain and then you act in a, in a practical way to help, to alleviate the misery. Now let me tell you what we're going to struggle with today. 
I think. I think we're going to struggle with Jesus saying, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. Because you know what we think. Remember what the word blessed means? Happy, satisfied, flourishing. You know what we think? We think happy is the person who doesn't have a whole bunch of mess to deal with, right? Come on, honestly, that's what we think. That's what our flesh thinks. We, we, we think happy is the person that doesn't have a whole bunch of junk going on, right? Doesn't have a whole bunch of mess to deal with. But Jesus just told us, and, and, and here's the deal, we either believe him or we don't. You know, do we believe him that, that happiness and flourishing and, and prosperity of the soul comes about when we dive right in to the mess of other people? I think, I think you and I are going to have to take a face step to say, Jesus, I believe you're right. I, I trust you. Because in, in our own self, we're going to be like that priest and that Levite. Don't look at those guys as like bad guys, you know. Now, you, you know what they were? They were probably busy guys. I bet you anything. I mean, the text doesn't tell us. But I bet you anything, that priest trucking along there, he's supposed to be at the temple at 30 minutes, right? He's got to open up in prayer and buy the donuts and, I don't know, man the door, you know? So he, he's heading there, and all, they're, oh, man. And he sees that guy in the ditch, and he's like, all right, this is not like a lift you up, dust you off, and pat you on the rear and go, you know? Like, this is going to take a while. Like, this guy's got to go to the hospital. This guy's going to have to have stitches. This, it, it's going to take all day. And he didn't have all day. He's got to be somewhere. And so he sees him. Oh, oh, man, I don't have time for that. And so he looks behind him. And here comes the Levite, you know. Here comes somebody from his church. He's like, he'll handle it. You know, there he goes, right? And then the Levite comes. Probably the same deal. Probably the Levite's like, man, I, I don't have any medical training. So we do, we do that a lot, don't we? I, I, don't, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to stitch anybody up. I don't know nothing about this. Man, this guy, are you okay? Oh, man, he's not okay. But he needs more help than I can give him. You know, and they say don't move him, you know. So uh, good luck, buddy. I, I think the, uh, that guy's a doctor coming. Uh, he'll, he'll be okay, you know. No action. But what Jesus is telling us today is that for you and I to feel the pain of others and jump in the middle of it to alleviate suffering, is the path of the blessed. That's the path of the happy. John Calvin, centuries ago, said, the world reckons those who are blessed to be free of outside troubles, to attend to their own peace. But Christ here says they are blessed who are not only prepared to put up with their own troubles, but also to take on other people's troubles. Now, why will we be this kind of people? Well, we will be this kind of people because we have experienced mercy. Do you realize that without Christ, you probably haven't ever experienced the mercy of God? You don't know what it is. It may be a concept in your head, but, but for Christians, for us today here, we, we've experienced, if, if you are a Christian, if here today you've, you've been joined to Jesus, then what's true of you is that you have received the mercy of God. Now, what's that look like in our lives? Well, what that looks like is we were guilty. We are guilty. We've, we've committed the ultimate crime. We've rejected and scorned and insulted and transgressed and offended our creator. We have stolen from God. We've stolen his glory. We've not been a worshiper. We've been indifferent to his commands. We've ignored him. We've lied to him. 
We've continually offended him. And the result of that is our own brokenness and eventually an eternity in a place called hell under the wrath of God. But for believers, God has shown us mercy. Let me show you how that looks. Ephesians 2, 1 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Verse 3 says, Among whom you once lived in the passions of your flesh, carrying out the desires of your body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And then verse 4, maybe some of the sweetest words in the New Testament, but God being rich in mercy. So did you follow that? Verse 1, you're dead. You're dead in your sins. Verse 2, you walk just like the rest of sinners in the world. Verse 3, you're under the wrath of God. You're children of wrath. Verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us made us alive. Now, if you are a believer here, that is your testimony. You were dead. And God has shown you mercy. And God has made you alive. God has purchased your mercy. God has sent his son from the heavens. That, 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 that distance that no one can calculate from the heavens to Bethlehem to, to a manure filled stable. God sent his son to make that, to bridge that gap. And then to live the perfect life. A life that had value beyond what we could imagine. And then to die a death. A death so valuable that it's able to pay for the sins of all who would come to Jesus. God has shown you mercy. Now, what if that mercy doesn't change you? Okay? Listen up. This is super important. What if that mercy does not change you? So in other words, I'm describing a person who's sitting here today, and they're saying, well, Jesus, I put my faith in you. I've been joined to you. Uh, your blood is for my sins. Your righteousness is in my account. That you're my only hope and salvation. But then you walk out of here and you are not merciful to others. So what's been given to you, you don't give to anybody else. What's been shown to you, you don't show to anybody else. That's a problem. That, that's, a, that's a huge problem in the scriptures to not give mercy. In fact, what the Bible says is, If you find yourself in that situation, the question you must ask is, have I really received mercy? If I have no no mercy coming out of me, have I really got it? Has it been put in me? Matthew 18 is my favorite passage for this. It's actually my favorite passage on forgiveness. It is outstanding. Um, We're going to look at it here at the rate we're going in about two years. So... um, Hopefully we'll all still be here, but maybe we'll get there faster. But uh, it's long, so let me summarize it, okay? So there's a king. He's settling his accounts with his servants. One servant comes up, and somehow this guy's been embezzling money for a long time because he owes an unreasonable amount of money, hundreds of millions of dollars, okay? He owes a debt he can never pay. The king says, okay, it's time to settle up accounts, pay, pay your debt. And the guy drops his knees and says, I can't do it. Please, please, please have mercy on me. I can, I can never pay this. And the king, in this sweeping action of mercy, says, you know what? It's forgiven. I'm going to absorb all of your debt. I'm going to pay all of your debt. And so you are free. You're free. You don't owe anything. This is off of you. You've been given all this mercy, and now you're free. Your debt is paid. Guy walks out of there. 
goes down the steps, sees one of his fellow servants. He's been taking some MMA classes. So he tackles the guy. He says, hey, buddy, you remember? You, you borrowed 20 bucks from me. 100 denarii is what it is in the Bible. You borrowed 20 bucks. Pay it up now. The guy's like, hey, just be patient. I'll, I'll get you your money. The guy's like, patience? I'll show you patience. He starts choking him, puts a chokehold on him. Starts slamming his head against his pavement. Pay it, pay it. He's like, I can't. So he grabs him and drags him to the jail, throws him in. Debtor's prison. This guy's not to get out until he pays me what I'm due. Well, the king hears about that. It's not very happy. Verse 32. And the master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Did you see that? I got that underlined in my Bible. Should you not have had mercy as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And then this verse. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. It's a problem if you are without mercy toward others. I was talking with um, David the other day. He, he has a ministry at Fort Supply Prison, and we were talking about, you know, what, what's something that, that, you know, as a guy's getting out of prison, you know, he's been in David's ministry, Gary's there, I'm there from time to time. But as they're getting out, what's just a, something for them to hold on to, you know, like parting words. And, and I told David, I said, you know, I, I think one of the best things would be just to remind them that if, they're, if, they're, if their profession is real, then they will turn into a giver, not a taker. In all of their life. You, you see, I, I think people can kind of be boiled down to that, can't they? You know, you're, you're either a guy, you're either a lady, you're either a student, and you're looking to take or you're looking to give. You, you either walked in this room here today and you looked around saying, man, who can I bless? Or you walked in here today saying, well, I hope someone pays attention to me. You, you're, you're either walked to your small group tonight and you'll either go in there saying, man, I just want to build somebody up. I just want to encourage somebody. I just, man, I hope I can do something today. That is a blessing to somebody else. So you walk in saying, all right, guys, I'm here. Come on. Either a giver or a taker. And, and mercy makes you givers. Why? Because you've been given so much. God has unleashed his mercy into your life. And so now mercy relieves the consequences of sin. Sin makes a mess. It makes a mess in our lives. It makes a mess in other people's lives. It makes a mess in the world. And mercy steps in there, and it alleviates the consequences of sin. Mercy meets physical needs. It responds to physical suffering, to practical help and comfort. Mercy makes things better. It meets emotional needs. It gives time to listen and to weep with those who weep and to be present for and with and walk with the depressed and sit with the grieving. Mercy meets spiritual needs. It counsels and encourages and builds up. And so let me just ask you, man, is this, is this taking place in your life? You know, I think the easiest place to look for this, in your family. Why? Well, there's our tightest circle, right? Well, let's not jump to our neighbor, okay? He's harder. Let's just, let's just start with our family. Are you a person that gives mercy to your family? So when your family sins against you, how do you respond to that? So, so if you respond to that as, oh, ho, ho, 
Uh-uh, not now. all right, now you're going to get it. You know? you know? You know what 80% of my marriage counseling that I do is? It, it, it's, it's navigating through this whole, you know, who, who's, who's winning, you know? Who's got the upper hand? Who owes who what? Who's the better spouse, you know? Who, who's not carrying their weight? Right, and it's, it's just all this jockeying for, for position. Is, is that what it is in your, in your marriage? Who's not carrying their weight? How, how do you handle that? How do you handle that when there's sin in your family? Do you withhold affection? Do you step back and say, okay, man, you're, you're not, you're, you're just, I'm going to make it worse. Think about that. When someone sins against you, they're, they're in sin. So what does sin bring? Misery. Now, now, are you sitting back and saying, uh-huh, now I'm going to make that a little worse, okay? I know you're in sin. I know you're messed up in your head and in your heart. So I'm going to come in and I'm going to crank on a little more. I'm going to make sure you know how bad you are. Is that what we do? Or, or do we come in there and do we say, man, you've sinned against me. And, and I hate sin. And I, and I feel for you. This is counterintuitive, isn't it? See, you only do this if, if you got God's mercy. I feel for you in your sin. And I want to make this whole situation better. That is mercy. That's mercy. Do, do you treat people according to what they deserve? Is that, is that the way you live your life? Like, like, what you know, there's a couple mercy killers. One of them is treating people for what they deserve. So in, in your family, all right, hey, you know what? You were grumpy this morning. You know, you didn't make my coffee like you're supposed to, like you said you would. You know, you left your slipper out. I tripped over it. So, you know what you're getting from me? Cold, you know? Because you deserve it. Well, let, me, let, me, let me just, let me help you. It's something that I think I try to do. It helps me. Every time you feel like you're going to give somebody something that they deserve, you know, because they deserve it, I, that's fine. But I just, at the same time, I want you to lift your hands to heaven and I want you to say, Father in heaven, I'm going to give this person what they deserve because of their sin. And I would like for you to give me what I deserve because of my sin. <laughs> okay? If you can do that and keep going, I keep going because it's, it's all going to happen. You see, you know how we should feel about sin? We should hate it. We, 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 should, we should know it's deceiving, it's blinding, it's enslaving. When people sin, you know why they sin? Because they're, they're wrapped up in it. And man, misery is coming their way. It doesn't matter. I, I know the devil convinces us that, that good is going to come from it. Like you can sin and it'll, it'll all work out. Like, like you can enter into immorality and it'll all work out. You can, you can enter into greed and, and you, can, you, can, you, can, you can lie and it'll, it'll, it'll all work out for your good. That's a lie. And, and so, so mercy says, man, I hate that. I hate that for you. I hate that sin. And instead of wanting justice to come on you and wanting it to be worse, I'm going to act in a way that tries to make it better. And I'm telling you, I want to be in that marriage. I want to be in that family. The other mercy killer is it's not my problem. It's not my problem. 
and I've got enough on my plate. How many times do you say that? It's not my problem, and I got enough on my plate. I'm not saying like harshly. I, I just I think we're it's really easy to be like that priest and Levite, isn't it? Oh man, that person's hurting. And and, and here here's the way we get our, here here's the way we feel better about ourselves. You know what we say? We say, I don't I wouldn't know what to say. So I'm gonna leave it to somebody else. I I wouldn't know what to do. I'm not skilled in that area. It's just not my deal. And, I, and I'm really busy. And those are mercy killers. It's not your problem. It's not our problem. It, aren't, aren't we walking miracles of mercy? Aren't we walking billboards of mercy? Weren't we an impoverished street urchin and, and mercy's made me a billionaire? Weren't we dead on the table, flatlined, executed by our sin? And mercy brought us back to life? Weren't weren't we strapped to the electric chair of sin and Satan's hand was on the switch? And mercy took our place. How can it not be our problem? How can we feel no responsibility to show mercy, to be an ambassador of mercy to others who are in our position? I think a lot of times we all want to buy shirts that say Switzerland, you know? And then we're just neutral, right? Like, I just, I'm not bothering anybody, and I'm not helping anybody. I got my own stuff to deal with. I got to make knives and whatever else the Swiss do, ski. But I'm not, I'm not bothering anybody else. You know, there's an, there's an interesting track. I wish we had time to pursue this, but indifference in the Bible is equated to hate. Read 1 John. I really think I can make that case through 1 John. Uh, I've had a quote I've been wanting to use. So, like, I'll get a cool quote, and then I'll just look for a sermon to use it in. So, it sort of works in this one, so I'm going to use it. It's actually two guys, Tim Tim Keller and uh, E.J. E.H. Gifford. The more a father loves his son, the more he hates in him the liar, the drunkard, or the traitor. The opposite of love is not anger. No way. Real love entails anger. The opposite of love is indifference, which is the final form of hate. In other words, it's okay to be mad at sin. That's what, that's what he's saying there. My son is in sin. Man, I'm, I'm going to be mad at that sin. That, that's not the opposite of love. The opposite of love is to be indifferent. You're not my problem. I see you suffering. I see you're hurting, I see you're in trouble, I see you're deceived, I see you're blind. I'm going this way. And that is not the path to happiness. I know it's the American path, right? Uh, we, we are all kind of, well, let's just say we're, we're a little bit self-centered, you know? We're all kind of like, hey, I got my stuff, my stuff, my stuff. The path to happiness is the other way. It's engaging in mercy. I think some of you are going to struggle with with this. What about justice? Well, that's complicated. That's another sermon, but let me just summarize it by this. Justice will happen. Justice will happen either on the cross or in hell. But it is only those two ways. Like there isn't any other way for justice to come out. 
It's either going to be paid for on the cross by Jesus and they'll repent and they'll be changed by the mercy of God or they'll be in hell. But that's the only two ways justice is worked out. I want you to keep in mind that there's coming a day when you are going to need mercy. I'm not just talking about in your life. I think that's coming for all of us, you know. You're going to get sick. You're going you're gonna to get depressed. You're going to get, you're going to sin. You're going to mess up, right? And you're going to need mercy. So that's true. But I'm really looking further down the line, okay? There's going to be a day when I'm going to need the mercy of God. See, I, I think it helps to think this way, okay? Not just that mercy's behind me. It is, right? Jesus Christ has given me incredible mercy in saving me. It, it is behind me. But there's coming a day in front of me I'm going to need the mercy of God. You know why? Because there's coming in a day when I'm going to give an account for my life. Did you know that's going to happen? There's coming a day when, 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 when the life that Jesus purchased for me is, is going to be combed over. And I'm going to give an account for what I did with his life, for the minutes and the hours and the days and the weeks that I spent. I, there's going to come a day when I'm going to give an account for what, what I did with the one precious life that Jesus Christ bought for me on the cross. There's going to come a day when I'm going to give an account for the fact that I live in maybe the richest country in the history of the world and I have almost endless opportunities for mission and there's going to be a day when I'm going to give an account for what I did with that. And I'll guarantee you I'm going to want mercy. I'm going to want mercy. Now what is the way that I know that I can be assured that I will find mercy on that day? The biblical answer to that is, if I see in me right now the visible marks of showing mercy. Let me give you, I think, a cool example of this. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul talks about this guy named Onesiphorus, okay? So let's walk through it. 2 Timothy 1, 16. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. So God, God, please give mercy to this guy, okay? Now listen. For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains, but when I arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. All right, so what, what are the characteristics of this guy's life, this Onesiphorus? Well, he realizes Paul is in prison. You know what? Being in prison makes a guy sad. I, I think it would make me sad. Uh, it's a tough deal, right? Especially when it's unjust, especially when you're there because of preaching the gospel especially when you can't get out and you're chained to a Roman soldier and you're liable to be executed. Onesiphorus hears about that. You know what happens? He feels for Paul. He feels for him. And so he searches him out. This is not an example of, you know, finding a guy in the ditch, you know. This is an example of, I'm going and looking for the guy in the ditch. He finds him out and he ministers to him. And so now, guess what Paul says, verse 18. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. What is that day? That's that day we're talking about. That day that you and I are going to give an account for our lives. And so what we really need to see this week, if you, first of all, if you're not a person who's put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you're still trying to be religious and do religious things and that's how you're going to get to heaven, you need this day to realize you are poor in spirit. You need to be broken and mourn over your sin. You need to begin to trust Jesus in his perfect life and his sacrificial death. 
But if you're a Christian here today, you would say, I've, I've received the mercy of God. Then for you today, let's pray. God, would you, would you show this in my life? God, this week, I want to see that your mercy can come out of me. It's in me, so God, make it come out. In my family, in my neighbors, my work. God, give me opportunities to show mercy that I might be sure that when that day comes, I will find mercy. Father, I pray that this might be the case, God. Lord, I pray that there might be visible signs of your mercy in us this week. God, make us merciful with the mercy that you've already put in us. God, if there are those here today that have not received your mercy. God, may today be the day that it clicks, that it, it, it drives home. God, that you, you would turn them to Jesus and that you would change them forever. In Christ's name, amen. All right.